1: when
2: Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder Rock with John Pollock and Waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder Rock for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewinder Rock for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade, take the mic. It is John Pollock and waiting. Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of Rewind a Raw. Hello, way. Happy Thanksgiving. If uh is technically still Canadian Thanksgiving.
0: Sure is, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you, John.
2: Did you make a uh, turkey?
0: Um no, no turkey. I did have um chicken.
2: Okay. <laughs> that's that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. How about you? Uh yes, we made uh we made turkey on Sunday. So that was our uh, our event of the day so
0: okay how was it this year
2: uh it was good it was good it was uh it was a low turnout for uh, a variety of reasons uh both both covid and uh and otherwise related but uh we we still had a good time uh a little a little chaotic by by the end uh but everyone is okay now (laughs) that is all i will say
0: okay i can't wait to hear about that wow sounds like there's a big story there
2: uh, some some chaos, but all, all all's well that ends well uh, by the end. But anyway, uh, you had a good weekend. You had a a nice relaxing couple of days. I mean, I don't know how relaxing. I mean, I
0: had some family over today as well, and um,
2: it's it's honestly never that that relaxing
0: trying to coordinate, you know, a, like a newborn sleep schedule with like a human's regular schedule, you know. So um, so yeah, I wouldn't say too relaxing, but you know, good. Like it's 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 nice to have some family time. So
2: yeah, well. On the lineup tonight, we are going to be going through Raw from Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. We're going to be chatting a bunch of news items and uh, what is coming up on the site this week. But we are going to start off with some big news way. As people may know, with calendars handy, post-wrestling is turning five years old. And what are we going to be doing to celebrate such a momentous occasion? Well, Waiting is going to take his chaotic day to day life and he is going to get on a plane, as will I. And we are going back on the road for a live post wrestling five year birthday celebration coming up over full gear weekend. A live show in person, Newark, New Jersey, taking place at the QXT nightclub. This will be on Saturday, November the 19th, and tickets go on sale this Wednesday. Uh, we will have all that information up for you uh in the next day or so, but tickets will be on sale through postwrestling.com this coming Wednesday. A live showway with you myself and some of your other favorite post wrestling personalities.
0: Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've done any sort of live event, you know, with us, so um certainly before the pandemic. So, um it it'll be great to do it right before full gear um i believe we're at a place that's only like i don't know a few minutes walk away so this will be 1 p.m. Uh, eastern time in the afternoon we'll have everybody out right um certainly with a plenty of time to spare before full gear begins so if you're going to be in Newark, New Jersey or if you're not and want to make it a you know a, a longer a bit of a longer day you have a bit of extra incentive with a post wrestling 5 year anniversary show
2: Yes. Yeah, so we'll have uh, plenty of time to re- remind people about the show that is coming up next month. Uh, but tickets will go on sale Wednesday. Uh, we will have uh, general admission tickets that gets you the entire Q and A portion. And then we will also have VIP tickets for a, a meet and greet, uh, that will come at, after the Q and A portion. So, uh, whatever capacity you would like to attend, we hope to see as many of you out there as possible. And it's a very quick walk to the Prudential Center where full gear will be taking place later that night. In Newark, New Jersey The return to the great state of New Jersey it's, bit, it's been a while Yes, I've, I've been counting the days Alright, so there you go That is our 5th our anniversary celebration Also, a more low-key Get together is coming up this Wednesday. For any of you that are in or around the Toronto area that are attending Dynamite on Wednesday night, Way and I are meeting up for coffee this Wednesday at five p.m. at the local Tim Hortons inside Liberty Village at one seventy one East Liberty Street. I have already heard uh, from some people that I know will be attending this, so it won't be just you and I, Way. Uh, so oh, we will goodness. be we will be hanging out, drinking coffee, and. Just chilling out. This is going to be the most informal. Uh, get together uh, you could possibly imagine and then we will be walking over to the Coca-Cola Coliseum uh, for Dynamite that night so uh, for listeners that are used to just tuning in to Rewind to Dynamite we'll probably be about an hour later than usual on Wednesday night so let's aim for 11pm Eastern that we will be live that will give me enough time to uh, get home uh, but we are doing a full show Wednesday night so we'll have uh, my live perspective and you are watching it at, at home correct
0: yeah I'll be heading back home to watch the show so I'll, I can handle the notes that night, John, you know, I want you to go there have a good time and then, uh, we'll come back and do the live show at 11 PM or 11 or so, um, thereabouts. Yes. I will be the guy
2: sitting by himself, uh, taking it all in. So, oh, be-
0: <laughs> Hey, who wants to sit next to John Pollock? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, you know, people who'd love to take that, take that offer.
2: Well, that's uh, that's coming up Wednesday. And, uh, if you would are in uh, Toronto on Wednesday. Afterwards, Brayden and Davey are doing their after-party, after Dynamite, at Sneaky D's. So you can jump on the streetcar and go up to College and Bathurst. It's pretty close by, especially if you jump on the streetcar. They are going to be going into the wee hours of Thursday morning. Uh, Karaoke, chops probably, and do get the King's Crown nachos, but tell them absolutely, under no circumstances, do you want anything resembling beans in those nachos
0: oh get the beans are you kidding me come on you got to get the beans
2: don't let them talk you into the the chili either because there's beans in the chili so know what to order the wings very underrated at sneaky d's as well uh you could even go for the the milkshake it is on the menu and it's worth the uh couple dollars I don't know about
0: that personally, but I, I can't vouch for the milkshake. I can't vouch for Brayden and Davey and uh, what great hosts that they are. So whether you're joining us in New York uh, or, or New York, you know, for full gear or tomorrow in, in Dynamite before the show or after the show, plenty of opportunities to hang out with the post wrestling crew. Uh, wherever you are in the world,
2: you can't get enough of us in person with all of these events coming up this week. And, uh, we won't, uh, we won't belabor the promotion, but, uh, this week on the post wrestling cafe, I want to make mention that over the weekend, uh, we did a bound for glory post show with myself and, uh, John Ceno. And I I thought actually Friday's pay per view was a very strong show, but it does kind of tell you the, the amount of, Attention that impact gets even for its quote unquote biggest show of the year. I didn't sense too much uh, buzz for the show, even though I, I thought it was a very, very good event on Friday night. That is up there. We did our extreme rules post show on Saturday. And then today I did a recap of the declaration of power show that New Japan presented. We'll go through some of those keynotes uh, coming out of that show as well. But Wayne and I are trying something new on Tuesday that we are going to be releasing for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members at postwrestlingcafe.com. It is my favorite subject to engage in. It's small talk.
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we. I mean, you know, it's something we'd like to do for our uh, Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. These are people who pledge to us at $12 and above and typically um, just out of the goodness of their hearts. So we're doing... If you like, we've, talk. we've
2: moved some stuff around over over the year, and we're trying to like even out uh, distribution of things. So this is how the show is going to start out at, at these levels, and this will typically be kind of non wrestling uh, discussion that the show will be geared around.
0: For people who like talk, um, we're going to talk a little bit more, but maybe in smaller doses, uh, just for just for double 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 ice cap and espresso patients. So look for that in your audio feed sometime
2: tomorrow, and then uh, MCU later she hulk is coming uh we're we're winding down episode nine this week of 10 i believe it's the finale oh it is the finale this week yes
0: it is yeah
2: very significant episode then it's the season finale of mcu later thursday night with wh and rich Van, and then friday night way and i will be live with rewind to smackdown where we only have three hours of wrestling to go through how did you enjoy the four hours plus a two and a half hour post show afterward way on friday (sighs) I mean, it was a
0: long exercise, but, um, you know, I was glad to have Kate with me. Um, we we went about two and a half hours just talking about all those shows, so uh, I'll be doing that. I'll also be joining Nate Milton on MCU later this week with Rich Van and WH as well, so a lot of stuff out there for post and Cafe.
2: Okay, all of that can be found at postwrestling.com, and we'll move over to some of the news items and uh, blitz through these. So let's start off with MJF. He has been doing the media rounds, it seems, way. Like, every week, it seems, there is a extended MJF interview. Uh, Ariel Hawani doing some. Uh, he was on Barstool last week. Well, today, an interview with Sam Roberts uh, popped up, and I guess the most notable aspect that was discussed was Double or Nothing weekend back in May, which... Uh, MJF spoke about, to my knowledge, the first time he's ever kind of really discussed with any kind of depth what was going on that weekend. And the meet and greet that he was advertised for did not show up for. And he stated that on that day, by him missing that meet and greet, his company, AEW, lost $10,000. And his words were that the reason he did not go was because his boss, Tony Khan, was being, quote, a fucking mark. And... Basically stating that he wanted to be paid what he is worth and now he is. But it was such a serious um, concern of AEW's that they had their security perform a wellness check going to his hotel room and they were going to like break the door down. But MJF explained that he had already left the hotel room at that point and Uh, Did not kind of go any further to that of why they would necessarily have that concern. Um, But others, you know, he was mentioning some believing like this was him just playing Brian Pillman. Um, But this was, you know, as much uh, kind of depth as MJF has at least gone into uh, that weekend, which I'm sure has uh, many, many layers to what all happened uh, during those couple of days. And then ultimately doing the pay-per-view and the following TV before the uh, going off television for all those months.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know the the wellness check aspect of it. I I can understand. You know, I can understand that being the first sort of instinct of of a promoter if somebody decides to no show. It is uh, unfortunately, you know, something that's kind of been um, met with with some precedents. But um, as as usual with all of these mGf interviews anytime he talks about contracts and and you know specific uh, i don't know negotiations i i don't exactly know how much to believe and it's almost at the point now where you know he's he is a big bad wolf where he can is that the right one sorry what's the, what's the, the boy who cried wolf the boy who cried wolf I apologize got my analogies mixed up um where like he could be telling the truth, you know, this whole time and, and it might be revealed uh, as such uh, a couple of years from now that he, he's he been telling the truth exactly. But I mean, he does it in such a way that it, it, you could also see it as a character speaking.
2: Well, it's it's, it's a pretty lengthy interview uh, that he has up there. I did not see all of it, but that was the, uh, the most notable uh, aspect, I think, of the interview. Uh, John Moxley, I know that you guys discussed this on Friday, signing a new five-year contract with AEW, so it was very interesting that there was a period of time that he was a free agent over this summer, and ended up dropping the title to Nick Gage on, uh, was it Saturday night, in the title versus career match, and... As part of the five-year deal, in the announcement, AEW stated that he will be exclusively wrestling for AEW and its international partners, and this has brought about the natural question of what this means for Jon Moxley's future on the independent scene. Well, Fightful is reporting that Moxley can still work indies, but it's believed that it will be on a, quote, surprise basis when it happens, and they added in their report that GCW side um, believed that AEW did not want Moxley to work the show, and in fact, not... Have not wanted AEW talent to work GCW shows for months. So it's an interesting question that if Moxley is going to be doing these independent dates, I mean, for the promoter, the promotional aspect of it, you know, him showing up as a surprise, it's a cool pop and all, but it kind of negates the purpose of what a John Moxley can do for these independent companies if. He's not going to be in a position where you can promote it in advance and sell any more tickets uh, to your show. It's just a either he's going to do it for a bargain price or it's an expense that you can't truly capitalize on with with a surprise. If he's if he's not doing a comeback that you can promote it, 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 if it is going to play out as
0: exactly that, I, it almost feels like that's a restriction that is done on purpose so another promotion can't necessarily use the value of a John Moxley to sell a pay per view for instance or even like, you know, push ticket sales and instead might just offer him as a nice little bonus. Um I I I wonder how they're exactly going to enforce that and, and how exactly they're going to you know, these other promotions might be able to hint at surprises without explicitly saying that it's going to be John Moxley. How far can they push it? You know, we got a guy appearing, he's name rhymes with mon joxley um i I don't know um it's it's a very unique situation and and one in which um i don't know if we've necessarily seen before because a guy like john moxley and and really a lot of talents in aew have kind of free reign to at least you know do a lot of other indies and um i don't know maybe he'll he'll be transitioning more to you know um a typical full-timer aew deal
2: what would you assume is the aversion that uh, AEW has specific to game change at wrestling.
0: I, that I don't know. That report from uh, that little tidbit from Fightful was a bit surprising to me. I mean in terms of like I, maybe you can assume um, some of the danger in the match styles might be a, a hindrance. Um, but then AEW does. They got a lot of flack over
2: easy? the weekend for that, that Jimmy Lloyd spot with the, uh, with the unprotected chair shots over the weekend. And I, I watched that and I'm, I'm trying to you know at the same time this story is coming out and I'm thinking of myself in, in the shoes of AEW, stating here is a guy that we have seven figures invested in on an annual basis. And this is a guy that we have seen on the shows does some crazy stuff. And sometimes it's almost, you know, sending him out to companies that will have the safety of that performer in mind and, you know, wrestlers are going to have crazy ideas and sometimes it's on the promoter to kind of rein them in and make sure that you do not see scenes like that. And for those that missed it, this was Jimmy Lloyd just taking chair shot after chair shot to the head while he's tied up in the ropes. And I'm just watching that. It's like, do I want to send one of my guys to this environment where he might want to do something crazy and they're just going to, um, absolutely. This is, this is fantastic. Like what risk are we, um, are, are we assuming by you know sending a john moxley to do so, some of these d- dangerous matches where th- the guy could get hurt at the at the very least and that's that's going to be a concern you're going to have with with any company but you know you see a clip like that it's like do you want your your talent going there and 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 seeing and seeing your big performer in a spot like that
0: Yeah. To me, it's part of the reason why I think, you know, this Mox GCW has been so, um, I don't know, kind of unique. It's like on the surface, you wouldn't expect a a company with national TV with so much riding on a guy who, you know, is is their top guy really um, doing the types of matches that he was doing out in other parts for other promotions that AEW is not going to benefit from. So I can understand why they would want to shut shut that down. You know, if there's anything more to the GCW-AEW relationships that we're not aware of. Um it's that's possible too, but i I wouldn't be able to speak on it
2: so a five year deal are are you surprised at all of of the length? I think it's great for a e w to get that amount of of term for john moxley, and it certainly tells me that that John moxley is not looking at playing the the free agency game. I think that he, you know, that this was a very quiet story. It's not like this was out there that, Hey, John Moxley is a free agent and going to the highest bidder. Like this was kept very quiet. And then, you know, it s- signs his deal. And it's a, it's a very long-term one when for many wrestlers in this current climate, I mean, you could, you could really dictate your, your term and, and play that game. It doesn't seem that he is interested in that because this will yeah. take him to after his 40th birthday.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, for him, not so much because, like, I mean, he seems very much like a guy who doesn't really like to play these sort of political games and probably doesn't want to have the public speculate so much about it in the way that we t- we tend to do with with every wrestler who, whose contract is, is coming up. Um, he said his piece about the WWE plenty of times, and I just I don't know how much, you know, you, you never say never, of course, right? Um, w- with the man wanting to return, especially for money, but he also doesn't necessarily seem to be driven by just money. So, um, it, it's a move that I think seems to make sense for him and. for for AEW, I mean, you. Th- this is the ideal person that you want leading your locker room.
2: Declaration of Power took place today. Again, I have a whole review of the show up for Post Wrestling Cafe members, uh, about a 40-minute rundown of – all of the matches on the show. The key news coming out of it is that we do have our main event set for Wrestle Kingdom 17 with Jay White defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Kazuchika Okada. Jay White retained against Tamatonga, where there was one near fall when Tamatonga hit the Gun Stun, and way this crowd thought. Tama is headlining the dome. So I would say if if you could get that reaction from this crowd, then you, you have to look at that as a win. This was a very tough match on paper to sell to people. Um, and, and ditto Okada and Jonah. I think everyone knew what the outcomes were going to be here. It was predictable, but Okada and Jonah had another fantastic match. It wasn't their G1 match, but it wasn't too far off either. And Okada entered the ring at the end of the night, stood there with Jay White and noted how, you know, with Antonio Noki's passing, one era is over, and we will determine who's going to lead the next era. So, um, this. Tokyo Dome is all going to be built around Antonio Inoki. They are dedicating the show to Inoki. They did a fantastic ceremony for him at the beginning of the show with the roster surrounding the ring. Uh, Seiji Sakaguchi was there to hold the photo of Inoki. And then they played a video package with so many of his iconic moments and different rivalries that I believe New Japan has posted up for free on YouTube. I'd certainly recommend watching it. It's It's a quick two, three-minute video package, but some... Very cool moments that they included there. And then you had, um, you know, Okada doing the Anoki pose after his win. Takagi came out with the red scarf. So I think you will see lots of tributes from now through Wrestle Kingdom. And Anoki, who they stated, agreed to become their honorary chairman back on September 1st. And it was going to be on today's show that they were going to make that public announcement and uh, that, that his passing occurred. So it was a very nice ceremony at the start of all of this. They also have added – this was a huge problem that they needed to address, and finally they are taking steps to address it – the lack of championships. They have introduced a new world television title with semifinals to take place November 5th and then determine the first champion on January 4th. This will be focusing on younger talent with 15-minute time limits and – this is pretty much designed to be new Japan's high speed title that stardom uses that get a lot of great reviews, but uh, number one way, the design of this title, I have seen a lot of criticism for this belt. What is your, um, first reaction to this belt? Is this something that you would, you would painstakingly work towards as a rising star in the new Japan roster to hold this belt above your waist?
0: um, I suppose if I had no other choice, yeah. Uh, but as a belt design, I, I think it's being right, rightfully, you know, criticized. I think it's atrocious. <laughs> it is a, um, it is ugly. You don't like the it URL is,
2: on the belt? It, is that what it says? There is a URL, I believe, oh, uh, on, on some of the 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 lettering. That's more, yeah. le- less pronounced.
0: It's basically, you know, the, the like a, a an NJPW World logo um i can't even look at the other text but i i don't know if it's meant to look like um
2: looks like a ring zoomed in like that's what it looks like like a giant ring
0: i um yeah i i think it looks like a back support you know (laughs) turn the other way you don't like an orthopedic back support um flip the other way i'm sure
2: that was the instruction when they sat down they're like we want it to (laughs) a we want people to imagine orthopedic support
0: yeah, I, 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 mean, I think it's pretty bad, but I mean, listen, it's it's a championship. If these matches are hot, then I, I, a belt design is, is not the the most important thing.
2: Well, I, I don't want to uh, crush any any dreams, way, because I know you really enjoy this concept. You're one of the few. But after El Phantasmo was forced to announce Shingo Takagi was in fact his daddy, Shingo. Shingo's trophy was destroyed by El Phantasmo, and I can only hope that this maybe means the end of at least one, um, I, I would s- not necessarily a traditional title, but the elimination of something. And maybe, um, I guess we also have a question mark about the status of the Never Openweight Championship because its champion was on Raw tonight and has a scheduled title defense November 5th in Carl Anderson.
0: That is correct, yeah. I mean, probably the biggest story to come out of tonight, right? Um, does, you know... <laughs> can the, the, this whole thing is very interesting of course uh, as we'll we we'll on to discuss but yeah most interesting of which is the fact that Carl Anderson is still the uh, neverworld point championship now we have to ask does it does it indicate some sort of working relationship between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling
2: I would be very surprised if this um would mean a working relationship between the two I would Again, without having any any facts out there, I, I would imagine that it, it was as simple as Carl was contractually able to do this, and I'll but, be very curious to see if he ends up doing this this date in November. I,
0: well, I, I suppose I, I'd be surprised for anybody to burn a bridge with the company at um, at, at this point in, in professional wrestling, but especially with Carl Anderson and New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, of which uh, a company that he seems to have incredible loyalty to. Um, I I just don't know if 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 I if I sense that he would just
2: and and a company too that even under different leadership like here are two guys that signed contracts and then they were cut like this would not be the company I would be placing all my faith into and you you very well may be right like perhaps he um, alerted New Japan he was doing this Uh, perhaps New Japan doesn't have a problem with this I mean maybe they are fine with their champion going on raw uh, with the promise that he is going to come and do this match in Osaka next month but um you know this is designed obviously for a program here and uh then that event that november 5th show is the same day as the saudi arabia show and i would think if you're starting off this angle uh they're probably going to be booked for saudi arabia you would think so Hmm. i i don't know if this november 5th show is going to happen and i don't know if we will see carl anderson in new japan again after after this it's um it was certainly the most interesting aspect of of monday's show it would be a
0: very um i mean it's it's interesting either way, isn't it? you know uh, and I'd, I'd feel bad for poor Hikaleo. maybe they would just make him champion
2: or it will just be a vacant title, and they'll put somebody else in that what what, what does your gut say will will Carl Anderson drop this title?
0: Oh, um why don't i mean sure why not?
2: vince McMahon w w e not a prayer. There is not a prayer that he's dropping this title. Um, You know, we've seen Mm -hmm. you know many many situations like this. Alberto comes to mind when he was uh, still holding a title in Mexico. Um, Yeah, we will see if if he does uh, drop this pelt. uh, That would certainly tell you it's a very different philosophy on top of WWE if he is able uh, to do this. But a lot of that comes down to what um, what kind of agreement he has reached. But I mean it. Working with New Japan certainly did not prevent Gallows and Anderson from making separate deals with Impact Wrestling. So obviously they are they are free to make their deals in 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 the U.S.
0: And there are ways to drop titles that I, I mean you know we just saw it with with uh, Moxley and GCW that obviously like won't have a too much of a negative impact on a guy you know on TV.
2: Ratings from Friday night. Uh, SmackDown, it was the season premiere of the show. 2,243,000 viewers and a .54 in the demo. Number one among network programming, but it was the uh, ESPN's coverage of the wildcard game that was number one on television. Not a whole lot of difference. They were identical in the demo from the week before. Um, a little higher viewership overall, but not a big change. I would say going against Major League Baseball playoffs, the fact that they were even... I I would take that as as slightly uh, a positive, but it was a more loaded show for your season premiere that maybe you were hoping for more of a bump uh, from the prior week. But it was against heavier sports competition rampage. So the first hour uh, from 10 till 11 did 404,000 viewers and a point one three in the demo, which is not a good rampage number in In their normal time slot from 10 to 11, this would be the third lowest for a normal time slot, not taking into account the weeks when they got moved around to different times. So this was a bad rampage number. Um, and rampage was going against the baseball game. Battle of the belts was not. The game had ended by 11 and battle of the belts did 317,000 viewers and a point one zero in the demo. This would certainly be the lowest of the battle of the belt specials. And this was also well down. It like the best comparison is to grand slam from a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when that 11 o'clock hour, um, they were down 35% in viewers from two weeks ago and down from a point one six to a point one zero in 18 to 49. And I just don't feel this was a two hour slot of matches that the audience cared about in great amounts, especially that battle of the belt special. Um, I just don't think that FTR and gates of agony was drawing people in to stick around for that long. Um, it, comes down to what TNT views as a success at that late hour on Friday. Um, but it, it certainly was not at the Grand Slam level of two weeks prior. And I am curious if we are going to see more of these experiments, by because they clearly were happy enough with Grand Slam in that two hours to try this again this week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think these results kind of tell you that it's not so much the... Um the extra hour nor even the fact that you, you have championships, but maybe more so the idea that, um, um, a a show has importance, uh, um, on it. Like, like, you know, in terms of, um, I, I star power, perhaps I I can't exactly tell you the reason why, but for me, at least watching both hours of rampage and battle of the belts, you know, you headline battle of the belts essentially with this FTR match with the gates of agony who had only appeared on rampage one time before, um, and no other time really uh, at least in wrestling terms on on di- AEW television. So um they just kind of like kind of seemed like matches for the sake of matches um or title matches for the sake of matches and probably weren't that enticing compared to, you know, um
2: maybe even Grand Slam. When this when Battle of the Belt began, there was an interest in this concept. If you go back to the first special this year, it was January 8th. And keep in mind, this special went against the NFL, okay? And they did 704,000 viewers, a point two six in the demo. Friday, we're down to 317 and a point one zero, And it's not like it was the most astounding lineup either for that first special. I mean, you had Dustin Rhodes against Sammy Guevara, Britt Baker against Riho. Um, it's just each show has been less than the one prior. And I just wonder... Um, you know, you would think like this Friday night uh, experiment, I, I just didn't think going in that it was going to be um, a big number it, in it was not. So I, I don't know how much you reassess Battle of the Belts. Is it even enough of a priority that you really need to be focused on beefing this up when it seems like Rampage? We, we talk about that a lot. And it, should that be more of a, of a concern? rather than uh, Battle of the Belts, which is just seems like it's an extra hour of programming. And that's sort of how the audience has learned to accept these specials.
0: Yeah, I, for me, it's, it's more so I think their, their overall, I don't know, um, storytelling philosophies that I feel like they have to take a look at. You know, they have a lot of TV time and a lot of matches that just seem to be made for the sake of having good matches. And that's well and good. But I also feel like it's not working. You know, if you're trying to attract a bigger audience than even the hardcores, which who seem to mm, not care enough about just good matches without storytelling.
2: I think you have a very healthy audience that buys the pay-per-views that go to the pay-per-views like they might hit their fifth million dollar gate next month for full gear and watch dynamite like those properties. Very, very healthy. And Mm -hmm. it's creating additional content, which is the whole name of the game now. I think that is the part where it is is trying to extend that that demand as at the same rate we're increasing the supply of programming. Like it seems like your average viewer, they will buy a pay-per-view four or five times a year. They will watch dynamite two hours a week. You want above and beyond that. It, it's going to take something special and it's hard sometimes to um, allocate that that specialness. And it, and it goes to show you like the struggle of WWE to keep their programming um compelling enough when you're talking about even more hours each week of programming.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, we have a few super chats here that are just relevant to all of this, uh, you know, Carl Anderson stuff. Yes. So I-, I wanted to maybe just get to them right now. Uh, first, we got a Muggin Youssef who says with gallows and Anderson re- returning tonight, does the never open weight title become vacant or will Carl do the honors for Hikuleo on 11 five? Yeah, we kind of, we kind of discussed some of that. Thank you for the support again, Megan. We shall see Ryan T has uh actually identified that New Japan has retweeted the Good Brothers on Raw clip. So uh, I I haven't been able to find it myself, but at least a couple people mentioned in the chat. So does that tell you anything, John?
2: I, I, I don't read um that as confirmation of anything. Um I, I guess it it's noteworthy. Um I, I wouldn't necessarily take that as, you know, um, you know uh, confirmation, though of uh, of anything, but yeah, certainly people will be looking at that no- November fifth title. Like if he if he comes back and, and does the show, great. Um, but there it is. You you would you would also think so. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's acknowledging yeah. it. It could be something. It it could be not, but. Yeah, you would think, uh, I think for Carl Anderson's sake, like, I, I don't think you're doing this just cold, like going on this. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that would be a, a prudent business move for him. Um, but the question will really be just, you know, it, him being able to go back and and drop this title. Like, that has not been the WWE's... Uh, that has not been there from their playbook uh, all these years. It's like once you're in, uh, you're done and you're not going out and dropping titles or um, or fi- fi- finishing up like that.
0: But it is a very different regime. And I'm also very curious to see if, you know, somebody like a Jay White will continue to to play with this and, and somehow use it as part of his storyline. Is this in their story? Carl Anderson and Gallo still members of Bullet Club now somehow getting membership in the WWE um, reuniting with AJ. Uh, how are they going to going to play play all they, that? They should the play it
2: up that that way. I mean, that would that would be a logical way for them to um, handle this. Um, if mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing this, uh, moving moving forward. Uh, last thing, we'll just note uh, for NXT on Tuesday night we have Braun Breaker against Javier Burnell, JC Jane against Elba Fire, and match number three between Axiom and Nathan Frazier. And Wednesday's updated Dynamite card in Toronto. Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida against Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Uh, Britt Baker back after the the nose injury. Luchasaurus against Jungle Boy Jack Perry, as they are promoting him now. Pack against Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic title. A lot of of, um, hometown support for the Atlantic Ocean here in Toronto. Billy Gunn against Swerve Strickland. Uh, Billy Gunn not doing greek town wrestling anymore this weekend instead he has been replaced by wardlow interesting okay yes Hmm. and chris jericho versus brian danielson have you heard how they are trying to use judas as a draw for thursday night that i have yes Mm -hmm. so jericho will come out to white zombie as lionheart on wednesday night so if you want to hear him come out to judas you have to come on thursday night to rampage the show that has tickets remaining
0: yeah um i find this pretty interesting Is Judas a draw I mean, I think it is for a lot of people. You know, uh, it, it's almost become sort of a quintessential part of the AEW live experience, the Judas along. So, you know, this to me uh, is an interesting tactic to try to. To me, it's a bit a bit of an acknowledgement of like um, weak ticket sales for Rampage. You know, the fact that they had uh, felt the need to to have Jericho come out to tell everybody, "You should come both nights because if you want Judas, you got to come to the Thursday."
2: well we will find if there's a spike over the next few days you got you got to assign it to something it's i'm
0: thankful that this guy's at, at least promoting something for rampage
2: it's more than they've they done they haven't announced anything for rampage mm-hmm. so I, I do believe it's you know the audience that they are going to night one, and I think for many they're looking at okay, there's an hour of rampage on Thursday night that I will get, and the rest is going to be content for dark, and that's not going to be enough. Uh, Dynamite, you're getting you know two hours of the A show, and you know for for Thursday. I will say it, it's disappointing given this is their first time in Toronto. It, it's not a terrible number just if this was some other market. Like, they're still going to hit 5,000 or so uh, for, for Thursday night. But, yeah, for Toronto, your first time in, I think most were assuming that this would be, you know, automatic sellouts both nights. I, I always we thought – We now,
0: were talking stadium, like, for some some of us, you know? Um yeah, it's it, obviously it would be a very different card, different differently promoted. But I, I just I just don't know if, if that's even possible. Well, again, now. It,
2: it goes to the AEW content that truly moves your, your audience and a major pay-per-view. I think you would see a dramatically increased response uh, if AEW was coming here for the first time and it was full gear in November and you had the Rogers Center and you had your, your key stars like all of that in alignment. First time in the market. Like, I think the demand would be exceptionally high, but again, it goes to your, your difference of, your different tiers of, of shows that you are trying to sell to your audience. Let's move on to Raw from Monday night at the Barclays Center. Uh, speaking uh, of tickets. So this show, I think it was around like 4,500 tickets were out when they announced DX, and then you saw some slow movement. And then over the past week or past couple of days, it went over like, Russell Hicks listed over 10,000 tickets out as of today. So there was some big, big movement. And you can't just say that was all DX because, you know, you saw the movement for DX. That had something to do with it. But over these last couple of days, I think a lot of people assumed that Bray Wyatt was going to be on this show. And if you tuned in, I mean, they, they did have that graphic where... Later tonight, the return of Bray Wyatt, where if you have the educated WWE eye, I think you could realize this was going to be a recap segment. But the way it was worded, I mean, you could certainly have um, fooled people into believing that Bray Wyatt was going to be on the show later. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe by
0: design, um, did they have enough Bray Wyatt content to satisfy people? I'm sure people that were there live might have been a little disappointed.
2: They are also marketing SmackDown, like right on the event page as Mm -hmm. Bray Wyatt returns. Like they clearly believe he is someone that is a mover when it comes to – and I'm sure they will move tickets for for Friday uh, in New Orleans. Um, Yeah. So right now there are a 1,000 tickets available. So – they can also open up more like the Smoothie King Center holds a lot more than uh, 6,200 people. So they, they could open up a, a whole lot more. Um, you remember when we went to uh, the Smoothie King Center for a Raw after WrestleMania and they put mm-hmm. us up in the uh, in like the darkness up in the, the top level. Do you remember this? Yeah, I literally yeah. needed. They didn't even have lights on for us. I had to have a flashlight on to take notes. Huh. It I was, was like, a- I feel like I'm a prisoner up here.
0: It would be appropriate if, if, for for The Fiend, I suppose.
2: So something uh, as well. Last week on the main event tapings, they had a Brooks uh, Brooks and Jensen do a match as well as Fallon Henley. This week, it was Carmelo Hayes against Cedric Alexander and the real match that I know you're going to be tuning into main event for. R-Truth versus Vaughn Wagner.
0: Okay. All right. Well, so, every, everybody getting some uh, main roster experience, getting a look maybe. So, okay. Cool.
2: The show begins with Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, and Shawn Waltman backstage. And Michaels asks, are you ready? And they point to Hunter, who is on the headset producing the show, and explains that with sponsors, we can't do the normal stuff. And instructs them not to curse, nothing about genitals. And Road Dog asks if they can say penis. Then they censor all their language. And Michaels points out four cocks. And they cut to four rubber chickens. And he jokes that Paul is going to, quote, choke the chicken. I picked up my phone. I texted Wei. I was about to text Wei. Um, You've got this show tonight. I did not want to see any more DX. And I was actually happy that we were limited to what we had at the end. This, this was maybe the worst three minutes of uh, the Paul Levesque era. I found this to be just so lame. I mean, I thought all the DX stuff was
0: pretty much that, wasn't it? And at this point, we've seen enough of these DX reunions to know what to expect. It gets more and more sad every time. They you had know, nothing. Seeing...
2: Like, this segment at the end of the – like, they didn't have anything other than, like, we're okay. going to play the hits, um, yeah. and we're going to call out the elephant in the room that Billy Gunn isn't here. And that was about it, and it was limited to – like, what, they have five minutes at the end of the show? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um but, you know, throughout the show, I feel like the, you could have at least had a bit more fun. I feel like, the um, at least, like one of the last times we saw them, they did a whole thing with the Gallows and Anderson and, and, and Balor, actually, as part of, um, you know, that whole uh, Bullet Club um, 2 Sweet thing. Um, maybe there could have been a bit more interest. But, you know what? Like, at this point, like, it's hard to be uh, rebellious. If you were
2: someone, Way, that they did promote this, if you were someone tuning in, do you feel they did enough that you would leave satisfied if you were someone that was tuning in specifically for this? Um, like I was fine with the limited amounts that they had. I didn't need any more than this, but I was also not necessarily tuning in with this as my uh, reason for it. Yeah, was I satisfied? Look, look at these up to date I mean, photos that they had. I mean, they must have just shot these what over the weekend in Stanford. I mean, mm, look at sure. look at these these young uh, these young upstart talents.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I, I'd say I was satisfied or not because I don't know if I was expecting too much at, at this point, you know, beyond just them coming out, saying suck it, doing the whole spiel and uh, maybe making a few, um, you know, uh, a few jokes about like things that they're they are not allowed to talk about. But it, in particular, I think it's like um, seeing, I mean, they, they joke about them be, themselves being old, but man, like hearing them make dick jokes is... Uh, is is pretty tough to watch you know at this point but uh, but that's what what happens when you have a gimmick based off of dick jokes like the, you know the dx was a gimmick that it was i was i think very much made for its time and um even though i think we could celebrate the fact that hey we've known about this thing like look at the careers at least you know several of these people have had since then um going back to the shtick of being sort of like rebellious, you know, 20 uh, um, somethings while you're 50 something in full control of the entire business. It, it, it's that much more difficult.
2: Corey Graves introduces the new voice of raw Kevin Patrick. Would you give a letter grade to Kevin Patrick on night one?
0: <sighs> I'm going to say B minus, like not that I have high expectations. I think for any time, like somebody it, it appears as a WWE play-by-play commentator like i'm used to the guys just kind of sitting in that chair playing a role and at the very least you know not mixing people's names up and not screwing that up and not screwing moves names of moves up and and kevin patrick obviously didn't do that he's very familiar with with the product um but i'll say like he in no way stood out to me as any sort of like significant voice um, presence. It, 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 I mean, it was really a Corey led broadcast with kind of K- Kevin Patrick, almost maybe just kind of feeling things out. It's only the man's first week in this chair. So, um, you know, I, I'll still give it a chance, but I wasn't that impressed first week.
2: Yeah. I, I would say if you're asking me my, my, preference, it would be Jimmy Smith over Kevin Patrick. I felt that, and again, it's, it's show number one for the guy. He is going to get more acclimated to the, this role and playing off of Corey Graves. But I just feel like part of it, it's like he is the excited fan that almost like too much defers to Corey and doesn't have that kind of gravitas or authority that mm-hmm. you want in, in that specific role calling the show. And that's something that maybe over time he will develop. Um, but, but to me, it was it was a little awkward. It's It's almost like he is just like the biggest fan that is calling this and he's in awe of all the things in front of him.
0: I'm sure for him, like this was a real thrill getting to call Monday Night Raw. Like, if you're a broadcaster in this industry, I mean, it, it might be a, a, a role that you know everybody in his position aspires to. I will say, I think you know, obviously, you know, having a two man booth again is 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 refreshing, but I also think it it served to expose him that much more because so much more was reliant upon him to be more than just the guy to call the moves. You know, you need to also have a bit of intensity in your voice, a bit of personality that does kind of make you stand out. Or as you said, John, you know, grants you that sort of like authoritative voice for, for the good guy, essentially. And, and in week one, you know, let's, let's not be so hard on him. He didn't really have it yet.
2: Yeah. But I mean, this has also been a a trend where they, they put these, guys into the hot seat and it's mm-hmm. you know he has been doing main event it's not like he's coming in cold but i mean look look at some of the the people that he is replacing and uh, varying degrees of success like i oh, yeah I, I think jimmy smith really like came in and was certainly uh, i i think did his homework and was a very passable um commentator i wouldn't say he's uh my, my favorite guy in the role but I, I thought he did a very commendable job each week and with someone coming out of it that you know was very much removed from professional wrestling when he got this job but that goes to the hiring process that they they are okay and comfortable with that sure yeah and
0: i wouldn't say jimmy smith is was was perfect in any way in fact like i think if hunter ultimately wanted to find like a permanent person like to, to, to be a new Michael Cole, to be a new Jim Ross. I don't think Jimmy Smith was necessarily that person. And maybe this is his search. So looking for somebody new is, is not a bad thing. Um, but you know, week one, um, I, I, I think the jury's still out on Kevin Patrick.
2: Certainly. The bloodline starts the show and Reigns doesn't want to dwell on the past, but he can't get past last Friday. And his father told him that the loudest one in the room is also the weakest. And anyone Doing that in the bloodline is a fool. So he asks Jay, are you a fool? And Zayn interrupts. This crowd just starts chanting for Sammy. And he notes how Reigns told him, Jay is now his problem. I would like to handle this. So Reigns steps aside and says, go ahead. And Zayn talks about how him and Reigns had a heart-to-heart discussion and quite the talk that they had about the future and tells Jay that they think his behavior hasn't been very oozy lately. God, During these that. segments with Sami Zayn, this is the uh, the Easter egg portion of these segments. Just watch Jimmy. Watch him react. He is listening to this in the moment, and he huh. has the worst poker face. He is just loving this, but it's part of his gimmick, too, to be the happy-go-lucky mm. guy. So if he's breaking out laughing, it, it suits him, but it's, it's a riot to watch him react to this guy. So I just on
0: that note, like, I love the fact that I mean, it's been for a while now, but I love the fact that now, especially with with this whole Sami Zayn thing, you have two very distinct personalities between each Uso. Like for so long, they were just kind of, you know, supposed to be twins, like mirror images of of each other without wasn't
2: that Jay's famous line? Yeah. Which one is Jay?
0: Exactly. Exactly. But now like every they each have their distinct personality, distinct relationships with everybody else in the in the in the stable. Uh, it's been great for them, I would say.
2: He compares Jay to Jimmy who's always happy, solo, who just stands there stone face and just asks Jay to be cool. And Jay looks at Reigns. Is this a joke? Are you ribbing me? And he's getting upset. But then Matt Riddle comes out and talks about the fight pit and brings up the stipulation that, let, let's let be all honest, every one of us has forgotten about, that he cannot challenge Roman Reigns for the championship anymore after he lost to him. Now, I remember that match. It actually did a very good rating that week. I, for the life of me, did not remember that the stipulation was attached to it. They could have set up a title match here way, and I wouldn't have been any the wiser.
0: Same, same. Um, and um I imagine maybe next time. Like so, what is the stipulation? As long as Roman is still champion, Riddle can't challenge. Yes, is that just right? like New Day Got can't
2: it. challenge the Usos. That was a thing too. That was a thing <laughs> months ago. Yes. Oh goodness, how are they going to get around that? Um, we- we'll see. Oh, so geez. he Reigns denies this request. So Jay tells Zayn, "Why don't you step up to the plate?" Yeet. <laughs> yeah, yeet my dog, and Zayn is. This is Riddle who's piping in here. And Zane tells Riddle, you cannot say yeet. So Riddle <laughs> continues to say it. Jay says, he is low-key disrespecting you. And I was ready for low-key to run in here. But no, it was Zane accepting the match with Matt Riddle for later on in the show. over Whether or not, maybe he can be banned from using the word yeet. Just like <laughs> he can be banned from going for Roman's titles. Yeah.
0: I thought it was a really fun segment. You know, it showcased the... Jay, Sammy, Roman relationship really well. Um, Clearly, at this point, the Sammy-J relationship is sort of like the core of what is making this entire Bloodline thing so appealing and so much fun to watch. And everybody else, including Roman, is just kind of like there to facilitate the Sammy-J relationship. And I thought the the segment did a really good job of showcasing it. I mean, Sammy Zane, you can listen to this crowd. This, to me, in Brooklyn, was by far the biggest baby face reaction we've like straight up baby you know what maybe maybe discounting Canada the Canadian dates Canada never counts (laughs) but at least like for a segment where I feel like they were supposed to be portrayed as the heels here this was a crowd that gave Sammy you know above Roman Reigns the biggest reaction all night
2: yeah I've got to say when it comes to the long drawn out opening promo segment I really don't find that fatigue with these bloodline segments. They come out it like the numbers. Now everyone, as you've mentioned way feels like they're defined as characters. They have mm. their reason for being here. It's not just throw a shirt on a guy to get him into the group. They feel like a big deal. And the added numbers, they feel like this big unit now, and there's dysfunction in it. It's they're very entertaining with Zane playing off of everybody. And I think overall it just, it enhances Roman too. just having, um, you know, this this army it, behind him.
0: It gives him presence for days when he's not around. And, and at this point, that's that's plenty. But, you know, it, it, it almost serves to build him up for when he is around. I'm almost amazed that they had Riddle step into the situation. And the fact that Riddle ended up still getting cheered despite coming in here because – the bloodline are so cool now. Like any, any person, any baby face who steps up to him is at risk of getting booed much in the way that like Logan Paul was on Friday. Um, I'm almost amazed that like, you know, this crowd still like riddled that much to cheer him, but
2: yeah, all this worked. Match number one, Austin theory against Johnny Gargano uh, theory is in control and he applies the Gargano escape onto Gargano who escapes and then it's Gargano using Lamistica into his own move, uh, but Theory just rolls to his feet, again, escaping. And from there, Theory lands a super kick and then rolls into a super kick from Gargano, dives with a DDT to the floor and hits one final beat, pins Austin Theory in eight minutes and 48 seconds. And I feel that the, the Austin Theory um, run is really, really coming to a... A very painful, slow ending. I don't know if he's going to make it past the finish line.
0: You really think so? You think you think like based off of all of this booking, you think Austin Theory is going to lose the money in the bank briefcase?
2: I would take the briefcase off of him. I feel that of all the different acts that are going on all these different shows and who people are into and the momentum – I sense so little with Austin Theory. It just, to me, is not a character that's connecting in any way. It feels as, and maybe this is not fair to attach to him, but he's got the Vince McMahon stamp on him more than anybody, and that's something he cannot fight. But it does feel like he is the holdover from the last regime more than anybody else on the programs.
0: He, he but he also spent time in NXT. It's not like he he didn't have. The, I'm not a, saying a role it's fair,
2: him. but I feel that that perception is is the most of anyone. Of, okay, in terms of a Vince McMahon created idea
0: i suppose to me like i'm not i'm not as quick to jump to that conclusion yet because th- this austin theory push is very similar to anybody who's ever won in the m- on money in the bank in this company you know they, they hold the briefcase and they job the shit out of them until they of course you know win the championship so i i, I well, still this feel this like- feels like
2: it would be a disaster of this guy winning the championship i, yeah. I just don't it's it's not as though I feel this guy is coming out and he's performing in such a way that it's, it's an unfair um, stigma to put on him. It's not like he's having compelling matches. I thought this was very basic and for Johnny Gargano match to be basic. Um, that, that to me is below par. I'll, just, yeah.
0: I'll, sorry. I'll, I will say like the fact that Roman Reigns has both championships and the fact that Roman is on a two year run uh, as champion, I think is probably the, the most difficult. The The reason why I would, maybe most point to for Austin theory somehow losing the briefcase, because I certainly don't think theory will be the one to take the belt off of Roman at this point. Probably not until like uh, WrestleMania, if ever like the, the, the the standard I think we have now for world championship uh, or a world champion is is that much higher when we're talking about names like a Bobby Lashley. So theory certainly not, not that level yet, but it also doesn't mean like, you know, with the failed cash and you can't tell a compelling story with him. Um and that you can't use this run to elevate him to get closer to that level, have they given him up, up on him like to to that um extent um I don't know what what can you, I, what can you sure. tell
2: me about this austin theory character what What can you tell me about him?
0: Uh, he's a cocky asshole who loves taking selfies uh he looks like the feed mask weirdly like except like human. <laughs> He does,
2: he does have the face of an emoji.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's sort of like a generic asshole. And yes, that is part of the problem. You know, he, he's yet to really kind of find like a unique identity that really s- makes him stand out at, that, at this top tier. Like,
2: um, can you imagine in your mind what this guy, what this character, not the real person, but this character does on his day off? That, to me, is my litmus uh, test for I mean, a I character with any kind of depth to it that you could take me through an average day of what their their non-working going... day is like. I'll tell you exactly
0: what he does. The guy's just – he's going to the gym. He's, I like, lifting Lift weights. Yeah. He's goes through maybe phone, working on what his can. What, what did I
2: compile at Raw on Monday on my phone?
0: Sure. Yeah. Is that, isn't that that enough? How much more does somebody need in a life?
2: Yeah. It's it, It's – just so so rich, all the all the stories that come from that the there's, day in the life. There's no doubt, John. I, I, I
0: we're in agreement. Like he he's a he's a bad choice for a Money in the Bank winner. If you're, you know, looking for for like he wouldn't have been. I feel I, I it's safe to say that he wouldn't have been Triple H's choice to win Money in the Bank if, if he had the book by then. So now you you've been given this thing. What
2: do you do with it, Rey Mysterio? I don't have any answers to uh, to to conclude that that segment. Ray Mysterio and Chad Gable. um, We go to the crowd, and Uli Latakufu from Young Rock was shown in the crowd. He plays uh, Dwayne Johnson, The College Years, on Young Rock, uh, which they note is coming back November 4th, which, yes, will be airing head-to-head with SmackDown on NBC, which seems like just genius programming on NBC's part. You might not want to promote this too much, then. I don't know. know. It's kind of interesting that on I would be very curious if they're able to plug. Could they pull this off on SmackDown? Yeah. Fox. Hmm. I would guess no. That would be my assumption.
0: I would guess no, too. But I mean, I don't know. Could you just promote him as any sort of standard celebrity? Hey, uh, here's a celebrity who may or may not you know,
2: be running at the same time. You know who Chad Gable was accompanied by? Otis. Incorrect. The Tree Trunk. Oh, yes. Ah, yes, of course. As he was identified. Uh, Ray did a, his slide into a sunset flip, sending Gable into the barricade, and then Rhea Ripley and Dominic come out, and Rhea has an armband with the word Beth around it, which I cannot recall them doing that in a storyline type of um, way someone's name. Okay, yeah. You're suggesting it might be in bad taste. Uh, so, some I, I don't know if anyone uh, took it that way. I just found it um, notable that, you know, that that feels like something like th- there are a few things that are, are kind of treated in a serious way. Like mm-hmm. uh, you don't do fake 10 bell salutes or um, I, I guess the Vince McMahon funeral did uh, kind of break all those rules. <laughs> we
1: uh-huh. did have
2: the armband here. Ray then sends Otis into the post and there's a six, one nine to Gable for a big pop. And then he hits the splash and he pins Gable. So the story is that Ray's life is in shambles, but even in shambles, he's not losing the chat Gable. So he's, he hasn't hit rock bottom yet. Um, Dominic enters the ring. D- do you want to, uh, Talk about the match before we get to the post match. No,
0: honestly, not not much to say. You know, they they have very good chemistry in ring, but this was not a match designed to showcase it. It, it was more of a setup for the angle afterwards.
2: Yeah, this was almost nine minutes with a commercial break slotted mm-hmm. into the middle. Dominic comes into the ring, and his his catchphrase is just "hit me, hit me," and he pushes Ray, and then Dominic slaps Ray. And then Balor and Priest show up. So Ray goes after them and hits a tilt whirl to Balor, sending Balor into Dominic. And he goes for a 619 onto Balor. But Dominic, Dominic not only attacks his father, but he deprives this audience of a 619. And the 619 is the easiest pop in the world. So they are pissed at Dominic. Huge chance of you suck. And Ray is nearly in tears. And you see him mouth the, the words, Why, Dom? Why? And Ray turns to leave, turning his back. So Rhea holds him on the rope after Dominic nails him. And it's Dominic with the 619. Dude, Dominic is awesome in this role. He is so hateable. It is... I just think he has put all of this together. I'm not saying he's going to be this giant box office attraction as a heel. But in this role, he is tremendous. And Ray is just... There are few baby faces that could get away with this this level of emotion and tears. But Ray Behind the Mask, no less. Yeah. I mean, most seriously, like this would be comedy to some of how over the top Ray is, but it's not with Ray. And Dominic is just I think he's tremendous. Like I am elevating it to tremendous. Yeah.
0: Um I'm I'm you know, like there there are things that I think certain talents are able to do well and certain things that talents aren't able to do well. And I think as a baby face, Dominic might have been relied upon um in the wrong ways to showcase himself. Or he could have been holding back John, because I see a segment like this tonight, and i I think, wow, like this kid had a lot within him that he never got to show as a baby face,
2: and, and his his mannerisms are way advanced for someone this um early into his career, and the day that Ray hits this guy is going to be the biggest pop, and they are just milking this of like <sighs> Ray will not strike his son, yeah, yeah no I, I
0: it's been fantastic storytelling, and I agree that Dominic was legitimately awesome here we're not we're not trying to be ironic okay like we actually think Dom, dominic was incredibly talented he, I, I thought his anger and emotion and intensity in which he he confronted his father was very compelling and as we discussed like ray's ability to emote with what little we could see of his face you know completely drew me in and, and i think completely told you the the anguish that this man was having to you know go through week after week seeing his son asked to attack him like i think oh man i'm holding my like now as, as a father john you know i'm holding my newborn what if my newborn one day asked me hit to me attack daddy him? hit me how torturous that's terrible poppy so, <laughs> it's it was another great segment for the judgment day um who man over the past like two TV shows have greatly elevated their stock. They've had now two great angles back to back, really making a name for themselves, like building tremendous, I think drama using these sort of familial ties first with edge and and Beth, and now with Ray and Dom continuously. So they've, they've been great and the people responsible for making these segments have been fantastic as well.
2: I just realized that we have Oscar Gutierrez and (sighs) way Mysterio. Judgment Day promo after the break. These segments, they just get a ton of heat now. Um, They run Raw. Uh, Balor goes over, forcing Edge to quit. And there was no Edge or Beth on this show. Uh, Ripley says that what she did to Beth is only a glimpse of what she can do. And then Dominic goes to speak, and they just try to drown him out. So this seems to be audiences just playing copycat now, where this is what you do when Dominic tries to speak.
0: I, right, but I also think legitimately, like he's very hateable, isn't it? Isn't he?
2: I I think that is certainly a compelling part of of the of this whole act with him. So he talks about the devastated look on his father's face on Saturday, and then Balor has an ultimatum for AJ Styles, and AJ comes out and he admits that he needs family, so he gets down on one knee and hugs Balor, but he's got the microphone and says, "But I wasn't talking about you." And out come the big LG and Carl Anderson. The crowd's chanting, holy shit, and they attack the Judgment Day. They brawl to the floor, and Gallows uses a chair on Damian Priest. And hopefully, um, they won't believe that Paul Heyman can cost them their jobs again.
0: Wow, okay, I totally forgot. I Remember, it wasn't I, Vince, yeah. it was Paul
2: Heyman. That Jeez, them. that's gotta be awkward in the
0: back. Yeah. Um I mean maybe maybe privately they've kinda maybe they realize, sort of you know
2: what? I, I think Vince had a say in that. I think that it might have <laughs> yeah. been a Vince problem. I don't know if Paul Heyman had that jurisdiction over our careers. Yeah so, there you have it. They are the O C is back.
0: Oh man, I don't know if I like that name. Like maybe I, they'll change the name again. First they were at the club and then the O. C. What were they with Balor? Were they any anything in particular? What in WWE, Baller Club? They were Baller Club. Uh, did they they,
2: were they kind of uh called that? I
0: think they uh, whatever. Okay, some some iteration of it at this point. If they're working with New Japan, just negotiate with them for the IP. Okay, let them let them use the damn logo, let them use all this stuff. Uh, Like you've danced around it long enough, pay the but this is
2: it's really interesting given the fact that number one, you know, he is you know, you have the 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 title defense on November 5th, which I would very much imagine they are going to want the, this whole program, part of the Saudi Arabia show. And you would assume like these two would have been doing the tag league in November. Yeah,
0: So yeah, which I'm sure they were figured now. into
2: a lot of plans.
0: Certainly. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, this, this, this seemingly, I wonder how, how early it came together, you know, with, with all of them. Um, I, I believe like somebody pointed out how like gallows in an interview backstage uh, in a new Japan show back in September, made some reference to, like, you, you'll be surprised at where I show up next. I wonder if it was a reference to this, or maybe maybe it was just coincidental. I don't know. But I'd love to know maybe some of the behind-the-scenes about how long this has been in negotiation. Um, you know, I'll say, like, to me, like, Gallows and Anderson have really cooled off for me personally. Like, I, I feel like they were kind of exposed as, like, <laughs> acts that I don't know if they necessarily hold up on their own, you know? Um, but what I do know is that I think they they're great accessories to either a Kenny Omega or a Finn Balor, or in this case, an AJ Styles. And I think extending this AJ Styles Finn Balor feud now to you know a faction war, essentially between the Judgment Day and the Bull Club, is really interesting. Of course, given Balor's you know uh, history with Gallows and Anderson themselves, so it, it, it's it's seemingly like kind of Hunter's time to be able to try his own. Bullet Club Civil War type of storyline and I I'm curious to see how how he does.
2: Yeah, and how this um like if this is kind of separate from the Ray Dominic Edge story or if there is a, all of that gets intertwined because mm-hmm. you know, you have these three and then you have Balor, Priest, and and Dominic. Unless yeah. Judgment Day uh finds finds their additional members.
0: Well, Judgment Day are very busy these days, so We'll see. Uh,
2: Also, Kathy Kelly back. That's right. Kathy Kelly is back on. So her and Byron are the backstage interviewers on Mm -hmm. Raw and then Megan Morant and is it Kayla that are doing SmackDown? Yes. All right. Byron did a sit down with damage control and Dakota explained how she was at rock bottom when Bailey was the only one to help her. And Dakota would do anything for Bailey and Sky and questions if Bel Air, Bliss, and Oscar have that same bond and states that Bailey will get a rematch with Bel Air and get the title she deserves. So I don't know how that works that you can just get a rematch after so clearly losing uh, emphatically on Saturday. But it seems like they are going going. There are plenty of ways. Jay walks up to Roman Reigns, who is off. He's going to watch the rest of the show in the city. I'd be like, Why? Like, you're gonna go all the way to the city to watch the rest of Raw. It's gonna be translated. He's not watching the show. Are you kidding me? He's not sticking around for all three hours, (laughs) dude. I'm going home. So, Jay is told to stay here with Sammy and make sure he wins. And Solo is also leaving with Reigns. So, Jay is just all left out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, setting up the story for the main event, Bailey against Candice LeRae. Uh, Lorey got hung up on the turnbuckle and her knee was attacked, but then uh, it gets snapped to the back er, to the mat. And Bailey goes for a rose plant, and it's countered with a cradle. And Candice pins her in six oh five damage control runs down attacking Lorey. Sky hits a backbreaker. Then Bianca Belair runs down to drop Kai, but get, gets outnumbered and they hold Belair for an elbow drop by Bailey and stand over the two. And it looks like this program will continue with Bianca Belair and Bailey.
0: Yeah, um I mean I, I feel like it's it's probably leading if they're doing a female war games to to that, you know, so whether or not they get a title defense in between, um I I wonder, but it could also just be build up to war games. I thought having Candace beat Bailey was um certainly interesting, you know, as a booking decision. It's it, it it tends to be a bold move anytime you have like a newcomer beat somebody established. I'll say though coming out of this segment, I don't know if it felt like that significant of a deal and um i don't know if it received that big of a reaction and i wonder what why why that might be for me is it because like candace's you know role on the show has been so minimal so far like we we barely had a promo from her we don't really know who she is um so much of it is riding on the assumption that you knew who, who she was from nxt which i'm willing to bet a lot a lot of this audience doesn't
2: well they are going to be running into a lot of the I think issues that that AEW had with bringing in so many people and Mm -hmm. there's the there's the novelty of who's going to show up next. But the end result is a giant amount of people that are now in these roles that you cannot find focus for all of them. And some of them are going to become background players. And now it's it's finding meaningful roles for all these people because you can only keep new people showing up you can only play that game for so long and then you sort of have to temper things down, but they Mm -hmm. are very much in the full mode of surprises and returns and it's done wonders for numbers for the the Bray thing was a home run that I, it becomes very intoxicating to get stuck into that. And then it's who's next, who are we going to bring back next? And your audience starts to expect that, but you know, you do have to, work with all of these parts that you're bringing in and, and I think trying to give significance to
0: a new day being a person is why they booked Candace to beat Bailey here um, maybe maybe what, what I'm looking for is just uh, I, w- I was probably looking for a bit more like of a presence from Candace prior to this win but maybe it's it's after the win that they'll really give it to her like I want to see story with her you know it, it's clear to me that they're making her important enough to justify a role on a war games um, team perhaps um, but I, I probably need to be a bit more attached to her in terms of personality, you know, before I, I care than just seeing this win here.
2: Well, and th- this should like link her with Bianca Belair, which is a mm-hmm. you know a good spot to be attached to. The Miz is with Maurice, and he's worried about doing this birthday celebration because of Dexter Loomis. Maurice just uh, ignores this. She's worked on this for months, and she brings him a gift. She has bought him a baseball bat and the Miz is like, <laughs> didn't you watch extreme rules? This is the least threatening weapon possible. Yeah. This will do nothing. <laughs> so Maurice hosts the birthday celebration. Miz comes out with the bat and he notes that it is signed by the best hitter in the league, Cleveland's Jose Ramirez and the crowd booze as Miz notes what you thought I was going to say Aaron judge. So the first gift Maurice gets him two giant balance balls. Two giant balls for your big bat. I thought this was the DX segment.
0: Um, you know, maybe they put all the writing power in this and I don't know. Give DX just the catchphrases. I don't know.
2: The next gift he takes off of the table, and there is Dexter Loomis's head through the table. So he puts the box back on top, and then he crushes this box with the bat. I'm just so glad this guy got his head out of the way and didn't get caught or something because he was dead. If this bat had like come down, he just full on swung for the fences here. Uh, Loomis then pops up in the ring, chokes out Miz, um, or at least tries to. And Miz like knocks into Maurice, who like avoids going into the cake, but then Miz awkwardly hits her a second time and then she falls into the cake. This was far from graceful. And so she does the cake routine. Miz escapes and runs to the back, leaving Maurice there, who she leaves, and Loomis takes the carving knife for the cake and deflates the giant balls before he eats the cake.
0: Yeah. Um you know, this whole Miz uh, Loomis thing, I think like prior, like when it first happened, I, I saw some good reaction to it online, even though I've hated it from the beginning. But like, I think progressively it's become from maybe went from to some people good to tolerable because we've had so much more interesting things and challenging and, and, and intelligent things on the show to focus on. Now it's become un- unbearable and i I would say it peaked here with like how bad it was. this was a terrible segment, okay, from number one, like just I think the the ball, oh man, the balls thing is just some people like it i'm just it's it's on the same level as like the dX cock jokes for me like it's 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 go away heat um and and then like on top of that, the whole predictability of the segment itself between the cake to um. I don't know, Loomis showing up um, without much teasing. It, it just, it it, it was, it, to the poor execution of, of the cake, you know, spill. I, I, I just thought it was
2: incredibly weak for these two. It was a deflating segment, both literally and figuratively. And Kevin Patrick ended it with this twisted, twisted man referring to Dexter Loomis. DX is with Joey Ace and Chico, and they give them a pep talk for uh, taking on Omos next. The Miz and Maurice enter the scene furious over Dexter Loomis, and Michaels explains that Dexter Loomis is a good guy, uh, but Miz must have done something to piss him off, and Miz defends himself. He's done nothing. And Road Dog suggests there's a way you can get rid of him. Next week, face him in a match where if you win, he leaves forever, but if Loomis wins, he gets a contract. And Road Dog explains he has the power to do that around here. Right. Does he? Like... Is that in real life? Uh, I guess so. They announced this match for next week. So I, gu- I guess he okay. does have that power. Maybe, maybe Michaels has, um, he, he can push that one through. Yeah, they know people, I guess. So I guess this is the culmination of this. He either gets a contract or he leaves. All this
0: just to get to like a contract match for Dexter Loomis. Like th- we're culminating this entire angle just so Dexter Loomis can get a contract. How, like, so. Like this started when in August,
2: like middle of August? Yeah, yeah. I guess so.
0: I guess nobody – like, everybody else can just show up on Raw. Like, everybody has contracts. Candice LeRae got a contract. Hit Row got a contract. Gallows and Anderson obviously got a contract. But somehow Dexter Loomis, after all this time, he's just – he's been stalking. He's getting plenty of airtime stalking people's homes. Still no contract, though.
2: Yeah. This man breaks into homes. Is is a piece of paper going to keep him away? Is that going to be the – okay, I – I better find something do else. We to do we even know that this is what Dexter Loomis has been after this whole time? Why do we don't he, even know if he doesn't have a contract, what prevents him from continuing this without a contract?
0: What does a contract have to do with anything? You know? Like we don't we don't get any sort of indication that Loomis has been after a job. Do stalkers <laughs> even have jobs beyond stalking? <laughs>
2: Could you imagine if that was like, okay, this guy has been showing up at the salon um, after hours and he's been harassing people. So after two months of this creepy guy outside the salon, we're going to have – we're going to let him like cut hair. And if he does a good job, he's hired nine to five, five days a week. (laughs) Exactly. Like What a horrible business.
0: What's the explanation for Chompa's whereabouts? Did Did they say? I might have missed it.
2: Uh, di- didn't he get pulled into the, the depths of hell? In the he's,
0: been, he's been missing sense. Okay. Well, it's all for the better that he was not attached to any of this because it's been, oh, God, it's been awful.
2: Then it's Omos against Chico and Joey Ace, uh, and he kills these two in a minute 19, tree slams afterwards, and uh, that was it. N- nothing uh, teasing the brawn direction, but I think that's where everyone assumes he is. That's the direction he is going in, and then they replay Bray Wyatt's return if you missed it on Saturday, so that was the the return of Bray Wyatt on monday's Raw and Kevin Patrick just remarks that uh he finally showed up after the trail of barcodes and phone numbers. oh man, part of me like felt really
0: sad hearing like because throughout this entire time the commentators have not acknowledged it whatsoever beyond like huh, what's that that's weird <laughs> like like that was about the most that they've had. And just to hear like Kevin Patrick so straight up say, wasn't that an interesting tale of barcodes and phone numbers? Like this just made wacky the whole thing, Bray
2: Wyatt oh, with his own language that he's developed.
0: It made the whole thing feel so incredibly lame now at this point. And yes, of course, yeah. the whole thing has been nothing but a commercial for the next show. We know that the, the WWE has been in on it, but there's a there's an element of like this feeling like it was the audience kind of uncovering something for themselves that didn't require any sort of handholding nor acknowledgement even from the main show um that communicated specifically to them and now the fact that it's like just another storyline in a way is a little bit sad
2: yeah though so we did have another QR code on the show that's right uh so yes everyone's dad just started following them on TikTok with Kevin Patrick's <laughs> explanation here um yeah. do, do you want to explain the the QR code yeah uh I don't think there was too much to this one, to,
0: to my knowledge. Um, I believe it was like a, another video um, that led to a puzzle. In fact, I'll bring it up here. Uh, that led to a puzzle sh- uh, showing the logo, basically. I never had a PC, so I don't know if this like puzzle game. Did you ever play this puzzle game on your windows?
2: Um, I might have. I
0: don't know. Some jigsaw puzzles game that showed the logo and spelled out J-N-D. Maybe and- we'll play
2: Minesweeper next week.
0: Okay. Yeah, why not? Sure. Uh, you, you, they're kind of running out of forms of communication at this point. But uh, the QR code took us to this puzzle that spelled J-N-V, and people were quick to point out that J is the 10th letter of the alphabet. N is the, um, help me out here, what's Friday here, 14th letter of the alphabet, and V is the 22nd letter of the alphabet, spelling 10, 14, 22, which is Friday. This,
2: this this is way more effective than a thirty second commercial. Uh, sure. Yeah, JNV. Well, I mean, we're talking about it, aren't we? Listen, right. there, there's a whole generation that has learned Roman numerals through the WWE and to a lesser oh, extent yeah. the Super Bowl. Hey, they're back now.
0: Did you see the new logo? I did. Yeah, yeah. They're using um, what is it? What forty? The Philadelphia XL?
2: Eagles colors. Right, and, and and Roman numerals XL. That's right, forty. So yeah,
0: yeah, interesting.
2: Bobby Lashley comes out. He is a fighting champion, and he lists off all the names he's beaten. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and then calls out Rollins when Brock Lesnar's music hits. I kind of found it curious that you would name off Brock Lesnar when you were doing the the big surprise and that I've already beaten him. But that is part of the story that he's It's the story. Exactly. Yeah. So... They bring up the Royal Rumble match, which, in fact, Lashley beat Lesnar at. And Lesnar just comes out, and he gets on the mic. Well, holy shit. And he says, good evening to Bobby Lashley, before hitting him with the F5. The crowd chants one more time, so he hits a German and hits a second F5 and applies the Kimura, and the announcers assume the match is off with Rollins. And after the break, Lashley is being tended to when Rollins comes down with his ribs taped up, stating he wants the match. Bobby's you said you're a fighting champion you said you're a fighter and you said you're a soldier but you're not you're a disgrace to your title and your country
0: it it was a soldier line that got him you know like and I loved it I thought it was actually really brilliant you know like he said the first two uh, you're 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 supposed to be big fighting deal, champion. Seth.
2: It's the U.S. title. I'm taking. Yeah. I'm going to check on my ribs. Then
0: he brought up the soldier thing, and that that was enough to get Bobby. I, I thought it was actually a really great build up and, and really great teasing to get to yeah. That point. So
2: this was Lashley accepting the match, and they went two and a half minutes. Lashley runs at him with a spear into the pedigree, kicks out, then Rollins does a frog splash off the top rope with his ribs destroyed, and. Gets a two-count. This is an RV- ill-advised RVD.
0: move. This is RV- RVD tribute, wasn't it?
2: It really was, yeah. We got the tribute on Saturday with the gear and then tonight with the with the logic. So Lashley then avoids a stomp, hits the spear, and he goes for the hurt lock. But Rollins attacks the injured arm from the Kimura. Super kick, kicks out the arm, and hits two stomps to pin Lashley in 234. Seth Rollins wins the United States Championship and... I'm guessing that this clears the way for Lesnar's Saudi Arabia program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably because Lesnar ain't going for that U.S. title. Let's be honest. No, I don't. I don't Got to get so. that thing out of the way here to yeah. for this to be a believable
0: Lesnar chase. I thought it was a really good segment. You know, it, it had all the excitement of a Money in the Bank cashing, um, just you know, with a with a down opponent and and everything. Um, Brock, I thought, was a really good surprise, and this moves Bobby into his next program, which is. A Brock Lizard program is certainly bigger than a U.S. title program. You know, he's been an excellent U.S. champion. Um, Very convincing, especially at a time when Roman isn't on the show. Like, they've done a good job of elevating that secondary title to feel much more important than it has in many years. So this win for Seth Rollins felt significant. It, it it feels like Seth Rollins with the US title is is an actual accomplishment rather than just a burden you know like it's been for so many jam- mid-tier champions in the past so he's done a great job with this run they've done a great job booking him for this run and now he moves on to something bigger with Brock um so yeah yeah what do you what do you see an outcome um what what's the outcome of that program with between Lesnar and, and Bobby do you think?
2: i think after the reigns program i think that they need uh, a Lesnar win in, in this, like just the way he's coming off with these Reigns matches. I
0: you think they're I building think... to Lesnar and Reigns again. Or, or, or no, or
2: I just think that coming off of that, I think that Lesnar has done his fair share of losses for the year. That true, they...
0: but Bobby also seems prime for that. But like, Look
2: at this. Lesnar lost at the Rumble. He lost at Mania. He lost at SummerSlam. Yeah, but he's also
0: Brock Lesnar, and every time he returns, you're you're not going to necessarily remember his last loss, whereas Lashley is around every single week. It would not make more sense to have Lashley just be even hotter, heading to potentially a title challenge.
2: Well, he beats him here, and then they, they've got a reason for a third match. It's not like right. there's a long list of Lesnar opponents either, and mm-hmm. obviously True. they're not going anywhere right now with, with Daniel Cormier, who did state that Um, there's nothing on the table beyond what happened Saturday and that he would have to get in shape for a match with, with Lesnar. And I think you could certainly see on Saturday, uh, he is probably not in, you know, wrestling shape right now. Oh, he didn't want to climb the fence even to make that count. I mean, the guy's retired. I mean, he's not going to necessarily be, uh, uh, killing himself to, uh, stay in cosmetic shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, Byron goes up to Bobby. I know you're emotional. And Lashley is not done with Seth, but he's going to beat Brock's ass and tells him to show up next week, and I'm going to prove you're nothing more than a bitch. Yes. Huge, huge threat. Then there was a Bray Wyatt spot with the statement, revel in what you are. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, they're tra- they're tra- they're still doing the QR code thing for those of you who care. But ultimately, I think the chase is really over, and at this point, we're just we're trying to get everybody else now caught
2: up. I don't Ray have time Laya's to back. do the math equation. Just go to the back of the book and give me the answer. Exactly. Yes. Elias returns next week, which Graves calls the audio equivalent of a colonoscopy. So Ezekiel <laughs> is dead, and Elias is back. Yeah, back to
0: his drifter self. So I mean. Under Triple H, what, what is this character going to look like? Is he just going to be a comedic self or, or is he going to be a more serious attempt at the Drifter?
2: Yeah. I mean, this guy, for all you want to say, he put a lot into that Ezekiel character. and He might still I, I, show up once in a while. W- would you be a little um, – I, I don't know if like frustrated or annoyed would be the word, but a- as much Elias as Kevin Owens. Like – those guys put a lot into getting that character over, and it just seems like Paul Levesque came in and done. We're not even going to try to go with this. And, like, they, they worked super hard on a gimmick that looked like it was a total dead end when they introduced it and took some time. But they did get to a place where, you know, it was it was a very passable program that, too, you could see they were putting a lot of effort into getting that new character over. If you're
0: Elias, yes. If you're Kevin Owens, I I can't imagine you being too upset, you know, if you're, you know, um, aborting that storyline in order to get what he currently has now. And that is a world title contender level threat. You know, a guy who comes out and has kick-ass matches every week um, and, and is gets to cut big promos. I, I get the sense, like, a lot of what, you know wrestlers existences were in the wwe under the vince regime were to make the best out of a bad situation and that's kind of the sense i had with kevin owens he was given this ridiculous thing with ezekiel and he had to make the best of it and he did um but now he actually gets to make the best out of something that's actually
2: good it was like he got the austin program and then the check came due at the end and this is what you owe us three
0: months (laughs) i guess yeah
2: Matt Riddle against Sami Zayn with the Usos in his corner. So the crowd is chanting, Sami Uso, and Jay tries to get involved, and Zayn tells him, I'm handling this. I don't need your help. Uh, SmackDown promo that airs during the break, all around Bray Wyatt. Uh, Zayn is in control. He Riddle goes for an RKO off the top, but he's stopped with a headbutt. They go through a second commercial after Riddle hits a floating bro, and again, Zayn is stopping Jay from getting involved. Uh, Zayn sets up for a haluva kick. It's stopped with a power slam, and the Usos won't get involved when Riddle goes to the floor. Jay is stopping Jimmy, and then Zayn, thinking he's got it all, on, all covered, goes for the blue thunderbomb, and it's turned into an RKO with Riddle winning in 16 minutes and 16 seconds, and Jay Jay just laughs, telling Jimmy he's got it. He's got it. Mm-hmm. Jay was very funny here.
0: He's he's been excellent throughout this entire thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Match match was good, but again, like it's a TV match, so it, it's honestly secondary to everything else that uh, is building up in this story. And I I found the story pretty interesting. I wonder how well it came across to people live because I felt like it was very much um told in maybe interaction and certainly helped with commentary where. I mean, the idea is that Jay is under Roman's orders to make sure that Sammy wins, but Sammy then gave Jay orders to not help, and so Jay ultimately was like, "Okay, I'll follow your orders, Sammy," and thus he lost. So we'll see how this. Uh, we'll see how the Tribal Chief reacts on Friday, um, but yeah, that seems to be what Raw is good for these days. is just kind of your setup for the Bloodline segments on Friday.
2: Yeah, th- this was the only match that went over 10 minutes and it was 16 minutes with eight minutes of commercials in it. So it, w- it was kind of hard to uh, really get a, a good read o- on this match. It-, it seemed like the audience was into it um, more than most on this show. Like it was a lot of the crowd just coming down during the matches, but this mm-hmm. was not a raw that was very heavy on, on good, on good wrestling. This was much more around the, the non wrestling segments. And to that end, DX drove out on their, uh, on their little Jeep that is uh resembling a tank. The Jeep with the cannon on the back. Yeah. This this yeah. A- after Rusev, they should really have a real tank.
0: What just do you think like just in their in their repertoire? Like in in, in storage? Like do you think they should just own one of those?
2: Yeah, yeah. Or they okay. can come out in Shotzi's thing, maybe. Yeah.
0: If they came out in Shotzi's tank, sure.
2: Yeah. So um I don't know who these four guys are because they were not the four that came out for this, uh, this, this, segment at the end. Um, maybe their fathers or grandfathers came out and, uh, Sean Waltman gave a shout out to China, which was a nice mention that they included. Mm-hmm. Road dog calls them geriatric X. And I didn't even think about this, but him doing his intro, um, you know, the road dog, Jesse James, and then let the crowd yell the badass Billy Gunn, to which Corey Graves says the other guy is doing something with office equipment right now.
0: Yes, pretty good funny.
2: Yeah, more
0: acknowledgement than I actually. Well, I mean, about the level of acknowledgement, I, I was. You had to actually.
2: do the road dog spiel, and I, I thought they came up with a good way. And they didn't take a shot at the guy. They didn't no. m- make any joke. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they they acknowledged it, and it would have been very awkward to just go out of your way to avoid it. It's like who cares? Like it just, was actually kind of a
0: nice, friendly call out. Like, hey, like here's that guy. In fact, they they like mentioning even his. His current storyline which yeah. you know like if you if you know obviously like it's it's it, i, I it,
2: really thought there was going to be a ch- uh, like the, the the audience might like sing but they did not
0: yeah no um like to me it, it, it indicates that like the scissoring is over enough to the point where like even your uh, commentator on the other show is able to make casual reference to it and everybody who knows
2: knows hunter says it smells funny and doesn't know if it's coming from the audience or from road dog and waltman pot and hunter asks how many of you were watching 25 years ago and they were like yeah the average median age is over 50 so all of us yeah because we're all here in- to watch this act from 97
0: yeah. how many of us are in our late <laughs> Dude, they 40s? all cheer
2: and they're probably it's probably all right oh god so he does the are you ready deal and like it was weird to see hunter like not like throwing in like jokes he's just like i love you all and uh and then he says he had to catch his breath and road dog gets in i wish i was allowed to do that earlier and Shawn michaels ends it by stating if we come out here in 25 years you have to promise us to put us out of our misery (laughs) and ends with a suck it and they pose to end the show and it was like we didn't have any ideas beyond they're going to show up they will physically be here for a segment and that's that's what this was i mean it's not like they overstayed their welcome this was contained to five minutes and i imagine they did some more for the crowd afterwards maybe not i i don't know but um that was that was the dx reunion uh for 25 years I understand, like,
0: you know, promoting it uh, ahead of time. It's, it's, you should be, you know, doing things like this as sort of the hook of, of the show. I suppose, um, I remember I the one they did
2: earlier this year where it was literally in the afternoon. They're like, tonight it's Randy Orton's 20th anniversary since his debut.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was expecting like a bit more uh, interaction, maybe with the current roster here. Like this might have been a good time to have somebody come out and just, uh, I, get you destroyed. Know, i mean even that's kind of cliche but just some sort of interaction perhaps um but i thought they were going to do something with riddle when
2: they came out at the end and kind of involve riddle in some form but it was sort of yeah. just like riddle on saturday he gets his big win and then bray takes over and then he yeah. gets his big win here and dx takes over
0: yeah but um i i do continue to wonder like how often they can go to the well with 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 the dx really. endless
2: endless times way (laughs) that they can go to Austin, Undertaker, (laughs) DX, anyone that was around in 1998 way they can do this every year from now until everyone that cheered that were around in 97 is no longer (laughs) on this earth. That's how long they can go to the well on this.
0: I guess I just mean for DX specifically because like, you know, um, like the shaved head is certainly helping Waltman. It certainly helped uh, extend Hunter's longevity. Sean knows the Wear the hat, hat now to to cover the skull. It Road Dog looks like he's coming like straight from Costco, you know, into into this segment, and and just this scene is just man. Like it just gets
2: more sad every single time. And maybe just I think I think of, of all the Sean Waltman feels the most self-aware. Like he's the one that's almost like, guys, are we really doing this in 2000? I, I,
0: I'm willing to bet they're all saying that, you know, maybe. privately, like, hey, uh, when presented with this idea, I'm like, you, you seriously want us to go out there as 50 year olds and cut dick jokes. But, I mean, we'll look at the ratings tomorrow to see if the show actually benefits. But, but who's
2: kicking and screaming here when Paul Levesque's the one, like, front and center here? Like, this wow. is, like, there, there's no more passing the buck of, like, oh, we 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 got to do what uh, Vince is telling us to do. It's like, this yeah. is this is your idea. Listen, the, the crowd got into it. They sold tickets based on this. It's uh, nostalgic for it's some. It's but, but, yeah, it's... um. It's for me
0: though, it's like it, it's not just seeing the act, but seeing maybe some sort of interaction between this act and maybe another. It's making act the
2: most the out of this. Like you're going to have a nostalgic segment. What can we do that this has some bearing on next week or two weeks mm-hmm. from now? That someone someone gets something out of it beyond just a self-contained five minutes here. But they were yeah. going for self-contained here. That's it. And and I would say
0: like if it was like another. Act. I wonder if like we'd ever get to the point where like DX would be like sacrificed, you know, like to an up and coming stable, for instance. Like would would they ever get beaten down? If it was another like group of wrestlers, yes, but something tells me that I don't think we'll ever see that with them. Um, no, these they people want to have charge. a new
2: DX line of merch every year for them <laughs> to go sell, and I'm sure these Brooklyn DX shirts sold like tons on on Monday night. And I imagine that the number is going to do very well for tonight's show. And DX was like the key thing that they promoted. There's probably, there probably was a lot of curiosity for Bray. And it was late in the show when you realize that Bray's not going to be on the show that they started promoting SmackDown. But this was definitely, we we talked about um, recently like the third hour being a throwaway. I mean, they kept Brock for the third hour, the Lashley Rollins match for the third hour and DX for the third hour. So this Mm -hmm. was definitely the, uh, attempt to keep that third hour up to whatever degree it can. I, I don't know if there's much that can offset that drop-off. We'll find out tomorrow. Okay. Raw is in the books, the season premiere. What would you think of the, about the season premiere? Are you going to watch this season? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I'm sticking around, John. I think I'll watch every episode.
2: It's been season. enough time. I, I, I The show went away. I missed it over the summer. <laughs> I'm ready to get (laughs) back into Raw Monday. Maybe,
0: maybe you know. Maybe I'll wait till next September and I'll just binge it, binge the entire season. This is no season fifteen, though. (laughs) No, no. This is more season fifteen, episode two hundred seventy five. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. Any super chats
2: before we go to the forum?
0: Yes, we do. We got a lot of them. Thank you all of you guys for your support. We're gonna retire. (laughs) In addition to uh, the the two that we mentioned earlier, I want to thank first of all. Mouloud for becoming a member of the channel. Welcome, Mouloud, for becoming a channel. YouTube channel member at video.postwrestling.com. Hope you enjoy all the podcasts that you'll get to uh, experience and also a neat little badge uh, across your name in the chat. So there you go. Rob McDonald sends $5 just to say happy Thanksgiving, guys. See you at Tim Hortons on Wednesday. Whoa, Rob McDonald showing up
2: at Tim Hortons. <sighs> I look forward to it.
0: Bit of rivalry, yeah. I didn't even notice you put all this text up here, John, so I apologize for not putting it up earlier. Um, uh, actually, I want to put up this one, yes. Post wrestling meetup Wednesday, right before Dynamite 171 East Liberty Street, 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, patrons, I will probably release a special code. If you say it to me, uh, you might you might get yourself a little prize. So, um, look out for that in your patron mailbox, also a video member mailbox. Okay, we got to. Do you think yeah. that the people might show up that are just listeners that aren't going to know what we look like? Very possible. Um so
2: I feel Every, like everyone uh, for for the podcast specific group um I'm Asian so when you come up uh just just come up and, and just start chatting my ear off and uh that's yeah. me. And Wei is going to be the one that is uh very reclusive. Keeps to himself. You might not. He's not that approachable. So j- just come talk to me. You can't, you won't be able to miss us.
0: Okay. We go back to our super chats here. This one comes to us from a guy from JJ who sends $10. Thank it's you for the really support. really a guy named
2: JJ. It's Thank Jeff you, JJ. Jarrett. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Double J himself. <laughs> Thank you for all your reviews. I'm house sitting and I couldn't figure out their TV setup. You guys always come through. Much love, JJ. Yeah,
2: TV's That's always a pain. Someone else's house and... How does the goddamn TV work? They're unnecessarily complex
0: these days. You know, I I recommend um, turning the thing off and on. Um,
2: Do you want to know a true story? The other day, um, I'm trying to put on Netflix and I'm getting like the error message. And I was like, oh, I need to reset this. And I was like, how do I reset Netflix? And my daughter, okay, my daughter who is not even two yet, daddy, press the green button. Daddy, press the green button. And she's like, hold the green button, and I hold it, and it resets the, the TV.
0: Unbelievable. Was, wow. Oh, my God. It's crazy. She, I mean, she is, she'll be doing your taxes soon. I yeah. Bet.
2: She's learned how to use my phone as well. So.
0: Oh, goodness. Wow. Um, keep us updated. Edward Sierra sends $2. Thoughts on the Japanese Grand Prix. Supermax, did you watch any of the Japanese Grand Prix this week?
2: No, I was uh, totally dead by the end of uh, our Extreme Rules show, so I went went to sleep, but I followed all – Well, hold on, John. It's a good thing you didn't stay up to watch. Oh, I watched it in the morning. Dude, I set the race for the time, and then I tack an hour on. It still didn't include all of the race. I'm so glad I didn't try to stay
0: up. The race was delayed by like an hour and a half because of rain in Japan. And so by the time they started, like there was talk of them not even having being able to restart at all.
2: And these sta- these fans just they sit there. These like, are the um, most dedicated fans in the world. I would have um, been
0: out of there. Well, a hundred thousand plus people paying a pretty penny for a ticket. I'm sure you know, That's waiting, crazy. waiting years at this point for the F1. So I imagine that that they, they're probably none of them were going anywhere. I'd wait a few more years, <laughs> but by the time it started, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that actually ended up happening for a race that probably you know at one point wasn't supposed to. Well, the happen championship at all. was decided. Championship in the weirdest of ways. He
2: didn't even know he was the champion until none this. of us knew. Like the okay, uh, this the, is a complaint. I I cannot explain to you what happened. And th- there is like a like the FIA has such a it's insane. Like I do feel like I need to be studying this stuff to understand what's going on. It's so complicated.
0: Yeah. There there was some debate I think about like who's actually at fault here. Um but basically the gist of it is mm, how do I even go on to explain this to as a layman myself? So so there are penalties that, that occur, like, you know, for infractions throughout the race. And Charles Leclerc, like, on the last lap, basically, went over a chicane when you're supposed to go go through it, of course. So he went off course, and he came in second place. Charles Leclerc is also second in the running in the World Dri- Drivers' uh, Championship. So it means that Max had to get a certain length of gap between them to, you know, qualify for, for the victory after this race. Charles Leclerc could not finishing second would have kept the race going the the the, the entire the uh, season the championship race, race going. Yep. The fact that he got docked the 5 seconds placed him in third place. Now even in third place the world had assumed that the race was still on because we were operating under restricted points like like you know, because this was a shortened race because of yes. the time limit, John.
2: They had less laps, and they had and a time that they had to finish the race by.
0: And therefore, I think everybody, including the commentators, including the teams, thought that the allotment of points was going to be smaller than usual. Meaning, even dropping to third place, Charles Leclerc was still technically in contention. Um, and that's what the Just think about that. thought. All the
2: drivers and teams were under the wrong impression.
0: Yeah, like, and that's the a commentators. Problem yeah no doubt so it wasn't until after max had finished his race interview like in public saying oh so you know well you won the race this time we'll look to win the championship next time then they have to call him back to inform him oh by the way i just got word uh you're the champion (laughs) and it was the most anticlimactic way of like you know announcing a champion you know based off of this weird technicality and the whole like f1 twitter was like up in arms about like they got it wrong they got it wrong but it turns out like under their interpretation of this rule book which is very much in my opinion kind of left open to interpretation yeah uh we had a champion this is also not to mention like the the very near tragedy we had with uh pierre gasly almost running into a tractor um during these like very terrible rain conditions earlier and on didn't
2: that exact thing happen at, at the, the japanese Biondi. grand prix in 2014
0: that's it yeah so it it became a pretty newsworthy you know race all right
2: let's uh let's continue through uh our feedback
0: brandon from new jersey sends two dollars to say on a scale of one to 1000 how excited are you
2: for wednesday um october 12th um well depends if we see brandon or not um Uh, i'm excited to see if he comes to toronto and introduces himself for me, it's you know, if the possibility of seeing Brandon
0: from New Jersey in person at a Tim Hortons, it's no lower than ten thousand minimum.
2: I'm going to predict that he's going to be within a hundred feet of me and will be texting me. <laughs> Very possible too.
0: Lastly, we get a super chat from Hanzi who sends two seventy nine who says "Yeet." See you Wednesday. Wow, we're gonna have quite the meeting. Okay, that's like. the code word. Okay, if you want to know if it's me or way, uh, just come up and say "Yeet." <laughs> <laughs> yeet uh well Hanzi and brandy from new jersey in the same spot so oh my god the a lot of hours a lot of luminaries coming up so show up at tim hortons everybody you might even get asleep okay let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for all of our patrons feedback here to raw 10, 10 2, 2 you want to start us off john
2: Okay, Benjamin writes uh, some thoughts on Bray Wyatt's White Rabbit gimmick. A few pretty key influences and that all lead to a more online, cyber oriented, anonymous army style character this time around. Number one, Mr. Robot, aside from the obvious society style videos, which themselves were an appropriation of anonymous, the dialogue so far who killed the world and revel in what you are sound like pull quotes from some of the F society mantras from the shows. Did you ever watch Mr. Robot? I'm not familiar with Mr. Robot. Number two, in The Matrix, if you'll recall, Neo is told to hold the – to follow the White Rabbit, which is a tattoo on a woman's arm that in turn leads him to meetings, meeting Trinity, another third-generation appropriation. And three, Nine Inch Nails Year Zero. A while back, Nine Inch Nails ran an ARG, the same method – I'm familiar with this, this Nine Inch Nails uh concept hmm. uh used in the White Rabbit uh concept. So he's saying it's a similar type of like online sort mm-hmm. of a game thing, yeah. So he says, I'm hopeful that the supernatural gimmickry is left behind in favor of more production capabilities, a way to connect the showy production to a character that's rooted in real world logic. Something we haven't seen a lot in wrestling is a character that acknowledges and leverages the production environments and communication platforms with a more modern take. Yeah, it's also from the brain trust that brought you the um, uh, four cocks in the opening segment and uh, two giant balls for your giant bat. So it evens out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Listen, like it's all well and good when like people can produce videos and type in HTML coding on their own in in these little kind of Easter egg things. It's another when you're trying to integrate those into the body of a live action sports based. TV show that has a lot of people working on it at once so man being able to like we'll see we'll see what this like rob fee position is able to um, do for creative autonomy you know for for somebody but I do also think that there's a limit to how much p- post-production you can do for what is essentially a live the live theater you know it's a live art form so um they certainly are going to
2: test their limits I'm sure you know yep, and- this is the most Crucial part of the uh the the reintroduction is now now that he is back is the the actual storytelling and integration of the character on programming and interacting with other characters too.
0: We got Alex Patel who says, one of the few Raws I've watched over the years and it was a mixed bag. The miss segment was atrocious but short. Good surprises with Brock and Riddle and the Sammy match was fun. I love the Good Brothers returning. I didn't love the Bailey and Candice matches I as I don't think she's that over to the crowd. Yeah. A little surprised we didn't see more of Bray in person. The DX segment was short and their biggest hits. I was expecting daddy ass chance but didn't hear them, which was surprising. Maybe less overlap of the audience than I thought based on Cody's pop at WrestleMania. Nonetheless, it was a decent show with title changes and surprise returns. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I'm willing to bet that like that overlap is probably not, not as big as like we might feel online either.
2: I think they also kept it short like this if that had been a 15 18 minute segment and it was dragging uh, they kept it short and they also kind of diffused the situation by calling out Billy Gunn at the beginning like it and the audience didn't even have a chance. I think if that had been the the length of that opening segment with the bloodline I think it was a very real possibility like it's just it's a very chantable song that can organically get over and that's an area of the country you would you would think that it would be prevalent. So I think they, I'm not going to say they, you know, kind of constructed this segment with that in mind, but I, I think you'd be foolish not to think that they believe that to be um, a, a potential chant that they would have to combat. Nas writes from the Barclays Center. I don't know if the commentators specifically mentioned that the Bray segment would just be a replay of Extreme Rules. But from the graphics, most of the crowd just assumed, possibly naively, that Bray would be there in person. Yeah, I I don't think they felt bad that they were. It was they never advertised Bray for this show. But the graphic, I could certainly see someone, you know, being misled uh, Mm -hmm. by that. A lot of people in my section were very pissed. Of course, everyone forgot as soon as Brock's music hit. Great show. Honestly, very satisfied.
0: And I suppose that's the hope, you know, is is that um, they would have enough surprises that you wouldn't miss Bray. Um, I think should they have not even shown the graphic? Like, was that where they, they, they you know, misdirected? Like, should they just not have mentioned anything at all?
2: I, I thought that the graphic certainly kind of tipped it into the side of misleading. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I saw the graphic and I, I could see exactly what, they meant um, y- you take away that graphic and I mean, it's not like they had ever advertised him. So it's hard to fault when there's, there's no advertising of it, but you know, that, that audience, like they, there certainly were people, I think that specifically bought tickets for the show thinking you show up at the pay-per-view, you're going to be there at raw, but that's a, that's a risk you take when they are not flat out stating that. And, and I don't even think, I don't even fault them for, you know, you had enough on tonight's show and Moving that to SmackDown, which it can it can hold its own on Friday.
0: Lastly, we got a Ron from Chicago who says I like the show. Brock being back was cool, and seeing the Good Brothers was a cool surprise. As for Kevin Patrick, I thought he did okay. I have a soft spot for him as before WWE he used to do interviews and in a few games announcing for my local MLS team, the Chicago Fire. So it's nice seeing him doing well and wishing him luck.
2: Okay, well, uh, thank you, Ron from Chicago. Okay. That's going to wrap up the show, uh, hitting up here on the two-hour mark. We are going to be live Wednesday, 171 East Liberty Street at Tim Hortons. And Wednesday, tickets go on sale for our live event our live Q and a, our five year anniversary special happening Saturday, November 19th in Newark, New Jersey. All of that information will be up on the site and we'll have all the information for you of where to go buy tickets, uh, this coming Wednesday. So we hope to see many of you out there, uh, the same day as full gear, just minutes away from the Prudential center.
0: And also Brayden Davey will also be there as well as part of the show. So they will be, uh, joining us up on stage and, uh, It'll be a full day of uh, of that, plus more post-wrestling personalities, I'm sure will be showing up as well.
2: All right, that's it for us. Uh, We will have something special up for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members on Tuesday, and we hope to see many of you on Wednesday. That is it for Rewind A Raw.